This is Film Club. Welcome to our third Film Club of 2023. We hope that you all watched True Grit and loved it. If you didn't didn't love it, that's fine. This is our second Western of Film Club. Last year I chose Rio Bravo as well. But it's a very different kind of Western, so... Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to pick a Coen Brothers film eventually, and this is one of my favorites. And also, I own it on DVD. I got it on DVD, like, I think I, it was on sale for some reason for like $5. So I got it probably like over three years ago. And it's always been in my little DVD collection with the plastic wrap on it. Like, I have not returned to it. Since I bought it. So I think I've only seen it one other time. Wow. I watched it once. And then when it was on sale, I was like, oh, I'll buy that. I love that movie. <laughs> so that tells you how I feel about it. Um, It is an Oscar nominee for Best Picture. Um, and I just love Coen Brothers films in general. Usually. Sometimes they're a little too depressing. <laughs> or grisly. What's the grizzly one? Oh. Fargo. They were... didn't, didn't they do Fargo? Oh, yeah, you're right. I feel like that one is so... Oh, my gosh. But it's so funny sometimes. <laughs> it is. Did you see my... You saw my post, my story with the guy from Fargo scraping his windshield? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to that on a spiritual level. This, watching... I feel like my biggest takeaway... Well, one of... Was at some point, at some future date, I don't know if it'll be this year or when I move back or what, but I want to do like a Coen Brothers marathon, kind of akin to what we wanted to do for Hitchcock many years ago. And we tried to do with Steven Spielberg, but I feel like I want to rewatch the ones I've already seen and then prioritize the one I haven't seen ones. But this really inspired me to prioritize a Coen brother marathon okay but i'm not going to watch a serious mannequin <laughs> okay well i didn't say you had to join me in it i just okay <laughs> like i didn't like that one very much nominated for 10 oscars wow best picture best actor in a leading role jeff bridges Best performance by an actress in a supporting role, Haley Steinfeld. I think she's one of the youngest people to ever be nominated for Best She deserved it. I loved her. She did amazing. Especially compared to what she's done recently (gasps) in the Hawkeye series. I was not a fan of her in that. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) Best directing, best adapted, oh, best writing adapted screenplay, best cinematography, best costume design, best sound mixing sound editing, and art direction. So lots of categories there. It did not win any of them. It it was nominated 10 times and didn't win? No. (gasps) What a snub. Very sad. I wonder what did win that year. Let me see. The King's Speech. King's Speech, Black Swan, Inception, The Fighter, Social Network, Toy Story 3. Oh! It was not for best picture, and this is something that I love about all the Coen Brothers movies: is the script mm-hmm. and the writing. Um, they always 
I, it's just such a work of art, the way the Coen brothers write their movies. Um, I think the Coen brothers write the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always just really wordy, but mm-hmm. like really eloquent and precise. And the way that um, the actors deliver it just so perfectly, I just love it. it. Just like a lot of these movies, I have to watch them with subtitles because mm-hmm. it's just so much that you gotta, I don't know, it helps me to read it as well as hear it. Well, and Jeff Bridges, like, mumbles everything like y'all were complaining about marlon brando and the freshman this was so much worse (laughs) i hope you guys watched it with subtitles (laughs) he he really gets into it as uh, a man who doesn't care (laughs) anymore relatable Uh, (laughs) um but yeah so that's one thing i think was highlighted a lot in this movie that's kind of a trademark coen brothers thing yeah, which uh, I really appreciate because I feel like, for me, the westerns of the 1950s onward feel very clumsy or cartoonish or, like, their script is, like, you know, John Wayne. It, they're just, like, not the most, like what you're saying, eloquent. I feel like I was re-watching some scenes tonight to just kind of, like, refresh my memory and I feel like I was laughing more, like, now that I wasn't watching it for the plot. Like, there's a lot of subtle humor and fun wordplay that I missed the first time. And now that I, like, I'm taking, like, more of a relaxed watching, I was able to pick up on. So I just really appreciated that. Um, I feel like sometimes Westerns are really dry for me. And this one was the script. The screenplay really, really elevates that for me. It's so funny. This movie's <laughs> funny. Um, and I also love that they chose, so there is an original movie or they made it the first time with John Wayne as Rooster Cogburn, which is John Wayne's, I think, only Oscar that he won. He won the Oscar for it, which I went back and watched a little bit and I was like, how did he win? (laughs) John Wayne just feels like Rooster's character is so complicated and John mm-hmm. Wayne himself is just, I don't know, that he can play such a nuanced character. <laughs> I know. And I think maybe that's why he was he won the Oscar, because he did a good job. It was just so different from, from everything else he usually plays. Okay. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, because no. I hate the girl that plays. Mm-hmm. What's the girl's name? Maddie. Yeah, I did not. I did not. She's so annoying in the original. But Robert Duvall. Um, oh my right. gosh, but he looks so bad. Oh my gosh, remind me who he plays. He plays Looking Dead. Oh my gosh, I might he have to watch that. Bandit leader. Yeah, yeah, you have to because he's just screaming into the night. Scream! Oh, he's Cockburn. You know I'm gonna shoot this girl. It, oh, oh it's Screamy Tom for sure. <laughs> Uh, I sent you a video of it. Yes, but I need to see the full scene. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. You can use my Amazon Prime. For- <laughs> oh, okay. But I, when I went back and watched that, I realized they don't... I kind of thought that they always, in this story, they always talked in that super disjointed, just like, I do not think that you know what you are talking about. Like, no con- no conjunctions 
or conjectures. What's it called when you've got the apostrophes? Contractions? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been <clears throat> in English. And my mom says that that's how the book is written. I've been meaning to read the book, but <laughs> I love that they chose to do that to just make it. It gives it kind of an older feel. But yeah, not like the Westerns in the 20th century. Yeah. Because they never did that in the 20th century. I don't that wasn't how cool cowboys talked. In Hollywood's mind. Right. The other thing I love about this movie, and I think we were talking about this with Ryan Hatch a little bit, but they take on a Western and try to make it a little more real and less like cool Western. Like when Rooster's trying to shoot the cans and he totally misses the shot. Or <laughs> shooting the cornbread. I love um, that scene. <laughs> he just totally misses and looks like a fool. And... It's so, it's like for humor, right? It's funny and it's also part of his character. But like <laughs> those old westerns would never. Um, right. They would never show John Wayne missing a shot. Like or, he was a perfect cowboy man. Or like stumbling off the horse and falling uh-huh. for so long, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite quotes are that did not pan out. <laughs> Just like when he's so, when Rooster Cogburn is. So um, direct and just saying exactly what he thinks, but in a just the driest way, like he doesn't even care about it. <laughs> or yeah, right. he says, "Cut down that man so I can see if I know him," and then he's like, "I do not know this man." <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part. Just straight up, like he there's no inflection in his voice at all. But I don't know. You can still. He's still, like you said, a very complex character. My other favorite line is <laughs> Matt Damon when he says, I am severely injured. <laughs> I want to say that anytime I get hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh, Matt Damon's character drove me crazy. Oh my gosh. Le beef. So he is hilarious. Oh, my other favorite part about Rooster Cogburn is when he just stares at people like, I can't believe you just said that. Or like... <laughs> The side eye that he gives. It's so good. So we have that opening line, the wicked flee when none pursueth, which I don't like. Is such an interesting... This this movie is very much based on how justice is metered out and who is capable of delivering that justice. I was thinking a lot about like the role of violence in the film because it's not... So there's a lot of discussion about violence, like in the courtroom scene, when they're asking Rooster how many people he's killed or how many people he's injured. And so obviously, like, setting the this, this stage, well, it starts off with violence, right? Like the father's killed and that's the first scene is you see his body on the on the ground. Um, but you don't, like, actually see an act of violence until, like, the most jarring, <laughs> upsetting part when the fingers get cut and... Both men get shot point blank. And then I think it's not really till that shootout, but that part is like so action filled and he looks so cool and he's like has the reins in his mouth, you know? Oh, yeah. But I think when Rooster is charging back with her and she looks at the dead bodies as they're going by, it's just this really interesting moment where it's like these were obviously men who had done pretty awful things and even threatened her life but there's like I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into it with like my own perspectives but it just seemed really tragic that like these men had been killed 
And I think when we like culturally understand the Wild West, largely due to Hollywood and these different tales spun and understood about kind of a fictionalized version of the West, it's lawlessness, it's vigilante, it's the people decide the justice rather than like any sort of law. And I think this movie kind of posits as when is killing okay? Like, was it okay for her to go measure out justice by herself? When was it justified? Is justice metered out? She really wanted to kill him with her own gun, with the with her father's gun. She doesn't actually end up shooting him with her father's gun and he falls off the cliff, which really ultimately kills him. So like, did she get her justice by killing him? There's a lot of commentaries too about how with the pushback of the gun, she falls into the pit. And so like, has her moral ground and her moral standing, like where has that brought her to and has she fallen? And then who rescues her from the pit is this very complicated man who is born and bred and perpetuates violence. So I don't know that I have anything of worth to contribute to this conversation, but I just, it was, I was thinking a lot about how death permeates um, the film. And I, there's some great commentaries I'll link to in the show notes that goes more about this. Um, especially there was one that connects it to Night of the Hunter because mm-hmm. they include the same song. Yeah, so that the song that plays at the end of True Grit is the song that Robert Mitchum whistles and is, is always singing. Whistling? Yeah. Oh, sneaky. And they also showed how there's like a lot of shots that are set up in the same way that like the Coen brothers are very influenced by that film. But mm-hmm. where Maddie is a symbol of death at the very end and like, but she's like the hero. She's the good figure. Like, why is she the symbol of death? And she's like always in pursuit of a father figure that she's never going to be able to meet again. Her dad dies and then she's never able to like reunite with Rooster too. And so they were just talking a lot about how death is such a prominent feature in a lot of Coen Brothers films and how do we grapple with death and what does it mean for those that are left behind and so I definitely if you're interested everybody I'll post my two favorite commentaries in the show notes because I thought they were quite good western and like western civilization was such a godless setting like all these people are just dying left and right killing each other there's not really a law but there's also all these religious themes like Mm -hmm. in this movie they're always quoting the bible um i don't know i think one of the there's a there's like a scripture that's quoted too is that the what you said the proverbs one is the wicked the wicked flee when none pursueth but then yeah and she like one of the first opening lines is the you must pay for everything in this world. Nothing is free except the grace of God, which is a very religious overtone as well. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting thing, the juxtaposition there of, I don't know, these people believe in God or like Maddie believes in God, but I don't know. You don't really think God would be present in that kind of a society. Yeah, um, that is actually a perfect segue into my other favorite commentary, which talked a lot about how she crosses the river and it is a an allusion to the river Styx. And so once, which I say fajording the river more like, <laughs> um, and uh, miraculously is dry on the other side. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I always 
get frustrated when films don't keep that's like my one issue with it was the um what's it called the lack of continuity yes i was like transparency no <laughs> yeah the continuity error then she had dry clothes on the other side of the bank. anyway it's a small it's I a petty notice it's a petty issue but yeah once she crosses the river sticks everything that she comes in contact with is dead there's a lot of dead men all the trees are dead and she falls into the pit and there's another dead body in there and then once she's rescued by rooster and they're going back then all the trees are alive again which is like something i didn't even notice but it's cool and her horse dies and her horse dies um i also loved the other two things of serious nature and then i want to talk about some of my favorite funny things as well um was the question of is this a, a history film and i you've mentioned it it's based on a book and I don't know that it's necessarily trying to be a history film either. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting th- ways that we can understand history through it. Uh, I did appreciate that there were some references to diversity. The United States frontier in the 1800s was very diverse. There's a lot of immigrants, um, especially in land that had not been claimed by the United States, Chinese mexican native american lots of different tribes of native americans and then you also have um, immigrants from the united states coming out so i think a lot of the times and you can really chalk it up to culturally where hollywood is at the time that they're producing most westerns but they just don't really portray an accurate depiction of what um, the wild west really looked like quote unquote but so i I was glad that it was referenced vaguely (laughs) In this film, um, probably could have gone a little further, honestly. But again, I don't know that it's trying to be necessarily super historically accurate. But I feel like I appreciated that, and we've talked about this, the script really elevates those humans. Like, I think a lot of the times we look at people who live on the edge and who live in these really rough and tumble places. And we just think of them as really backwards and really stupid and really... um, uneducated and that's not always the case and like they they have and again it's it's a movie right but like they had a a much better vocabulary than I do (laughs) and Maddie is speaking Latin and sometimes I think like we just naturally discount a lot of people in the past as not being able to converse intelligently and so I think in those two veins this does work as a history film and is something worth interrogating as we look backwards um and then the last thing was, I just loved, and again, it's a book, but I just love that they, the Coen brothers picked this story that our main character is a heroine. Like our main character is female and the whole thing is like true grit and it really sets up the film as Rooster being the one with true grit when all along it's really Maddie who defies her age and her gender and the expected behaviors of such and the anticipated um reactions of such and she wins over rooster with her pluck and determination and spirit and wisdom and she's the one with true grit in the end (laughs) but jakes is occupied and will be for some time very relatable and this malarial place has ruined my health as it has my finances which is 
what I feel about Florida. (laughs) (laughs) But I also loved when she got to sleep with all the coffins. I was so jealous. (laughs) So spooky. And she just did it. Like, she didn't mind. Yeah. I mean, she went and found a new place, but I would not have done that. (laughs) Especially at her age. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm talking a big, big game here. I don't know that I could do it in real life. For the guys that died. I think they did human. They did a really good job humanizing some of those characters. Like, I I really loved Lucky Ned. Like, he was so nice to Maddie. And, like, he seemed like such a respectful outlaw. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like a Robin Hood character almost. I mean, I don't know what he's done. And we don't know anything about his background or, like, why he's running from the law or anything. Except that he is an outlaw. But it also makes you think, like... What has Lucky Ned done versus what Rooster has done mm-hmm. that makes him an outlaw and Rooster is a figure of the law. Right. When um, very well, Rooster could have a higher body count than Ned. Yeah. Um. But then also the two men that are like the first ones that are killed on screen. Mm-hmm. Um. One of them's Donald Gleason, Bill Weasley. I didn't even recognize him. Do you not him. recognize him? No. Is he the one who gets his fingers <laughs> chopped off? Yeah, no. Uh, no, there's the fat guy and then there's the... I'll look it up right now. I'm sure. I think he chops... I don't remember who he chops, but it's the kid who's like, will you please tell my brother that I died um, on my it, way to... It's in that house, right? Yeah. It's in that... It's the it's the small guy in that scene where the guy Yeah, gets he's the one who gets his fingers. And he screams. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't remember who got his fingers cut off. But yeah, he's the nice one. Oh my gosh, it I'm is. Always, How I'm did so I recognize sad when he him? Dies. He looks exactly the same. He's just not speaking in a British accent. He's so he's got so much grime on him. He's dirty. Um. So yeah, I'm always so sad when he dies. Bill showing up in the most uncommon, unlikely of places. And I, <laughs> when Rooster was charging towards the outlaws i said i don't want lucky ned to die my mom was like why (laughs) maybe it's because i associate him with um robert duval too Mm, yeah even though that's it's not even him but uh, but yeah that's another thing in the original movie they're not really humanized i don't think like you don't like oh and even what's his name the guy who killed her dad um that is like the real bad guy that they're all trying to chase after. Right. He's like funny and you feel bad for him because he gets just... shot and he's like, I got shot by a child. <laughs> he's like, oh, I did not think you would do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Lucky Ned's kind of like, you stay behind and then follow us, follow afterwards. You feel bad. You're like, oh no, he's getting abandoned. <laughs> he's fallen out of favor with his crew. I don't know. I just feel bad for these guys. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, that's another thing, too, is sometimes this just felt like such a nuanced, layered movie where it's so easy to have Westerns be good guys versus bad guys and to not Mm -hmm. have a lot of nuance in the characters. But in the end, death claims them all. That's true. It is also just a beautiful movie, like the shots. I love the shot of when Maddie and Rooster are on the roof just watching what happens and it's just the whole thing is from so far away and you just watch it like they're watching it I love mm-hmm. how they chose to do that rather than like being in the action yeah and then also the long shots of when Labeef oh we haven't talked about maybe we'll talk about Labeef later <laughs> that's his name <laughs> when he shoots Lucky Ned 
from so far away too i love that yeah i also Uh, love when it is just like that black figure against the sky yeah Mm -hmm. especially the one when they're racing back towards civilization it's the horse against the sunset or the sunrise i'm just like oh i love it so much i'm gonna cry favorite characters we have maddie ross the girl and the eye patch guy (laughs) someone said hattie (laughs) close enough (laughs) rooster rooster codburn bear man is a favorite minor character Jill also loved Colonel Stonehill, who had to buy back the ponies at the start. Who I did loved, quote. I love that scene. He's so funny. His, his voice is so funny. He gets so stressed. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character? I think it's Rooster. Yeah. He strikes me as a very Long John Silver-esque character. Yeah. Belly. We also... Belly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wish she had sought consolation by... <laughs> Putting her forehead to his belly. <laughs> Just like Tom and Vito. Oh, everyone does that scene. Yeah, I think I'd probably go with Maddie. She's such an unusual character, and I thought the actress did a very good job with her. All right, here's some favorite scenes that were submitted. Exchanges between Rooster and Labeef. <laughs> I like how people spell that. <laughs> <laughs> this person just called him Beef. <laughs> this... <laughs> Any scene where beef <laughs> said, I don't even remember how he said it. it adios. Like, adios, that's what it was. Any with a train, ha ha ha. Encounter with Bear Man, Rooster charging the trio. Um, The scene where Maddie haggles about the ponies. I think that is a contender for me as well. It lets us know everything we need to know for the rest of the film, especially about our protagonist. When she dives into the river on the horse and they both swim across, that showed me to me, her true grit and determination. The men had just taken the ferry across, so the river was known to be dangerous and deep. A girl and a horse can accomplish anything. Also, the scene where you first see her years later without an arm to have borne that disability for years would be so devastating and would require a true grit every day. When they were shooting corn in the field. Cornbread in the field. Ah, someone spells it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> And the beef I bet she looked it up. <laughs> the beef shoots Lucky Dead from so far away and says, Never doubt the Texas Rangers, ever stalwart. And also, when they are trying to flush out the bad guys and the beef messes up, and Rooster says, Well, that didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because before I watched this and you were talking about the beef, there is this deleted scene from The Office that I thought you were referencing, and I was like, How do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> where Michael Scott is, <laughs> he has a talking head where he's saying all the celebrities that he would want to invite to like a dinner party. And it's, I'm so sad it's deleted because it's seriously so funny. He talks about like having Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's children come so that they would have to pick the children up and so he'd get to see them instead of like inviting them to the dinner. <laughs> and he also says, Shia LaBeef is up. <laughs> and like, Steve Carell cannot get through it. Like, he cracks up. It's so funny. Oh. So I always think you're referencing that instead of the actual movie. <laughs> what was your favorite scene? I was trying to think. I love the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think my favorite is I do not know this man. I, I do like the bargaining over the horses scene. And I actually love the lawyer scene when um roosters on trial mm-hmm. but the, the shots from the camera are so interesting in that yeah um but i i just love little blackie writing at the very end oh baby. it's just like so full of emotion everything that's going on so i also love the cornbread scene 
That one is great. <laughs> They're just fighting over. I love it when he's like, please don't shoot. I forget exactly how he says it. He's like, please hold your pistol. (laughs) (laughs) And he shoots anyways. Yeah. Okay. Favorite aspects of this film. This person thought it was well acted. That fringe on the beef boy. Howdy. Oh, this person did not have a favorite because all the elements were so balanced and strong. This is tough because what I love most about this film is the Coen's restraint. It's got to be either the acting or the writing. I'll pick the writing. Um, one person said the amazing horses. <laughs> Wonder horses who that was. <laughs> the horses look good in any light and don't require any costuming. <laughs> um, someone else said they loved the way they spoke, so script writing. And then the acting and the dialogue and screenplay. I do. I did like the music a lot in this, but I'd have to... Throw my hat into the circle for screenwriting as well. The screenplay. So lessons or takeaways. I wouldn't have understood most people's speech if I lived in that time period. Honestly, more that people try to control others out of fear. (laughs) There's a soft spot in just about every old (laughs) curmudger. Classic, don't judge a book. Rough and harsh, Rooster has a heart of gold. Clueless, Labeef is smart and loyal. And young Maddie is the one with perhaps the most true grit, although they all possess that attribute. Despite what others might see as shortcomings, like being a young girl in the Old West or being old, drinking too much and missing one eye, it's more about the size of your of your grit, true grit. Also, it's better to sleep by the dead than by Grandma Turner. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be careful who you trust, and sometimes people don't show their true colors when you first meet them. Eyepatch Man was willing to go <laughs> to extremes. <laughs> Save her life. Not even trying. (laughs) Even when in the beginning he could not seem to be bothered with her in the least. Lesson: snakes are terrible. (laughs) This is definitely Annie. I don't think (laughs) I was meant to live in the Wild West. And a takeaway about film: westerners are or westerns are usually cheesy. The country songs of film. (laughs) (laughs) But this one's good. I'm. I feel like the the ones you've picked for film club have been excellent. They're. I love. Rio Bravo. So I'm not sure if I would have had enough grit to survive living in the Old West. Also, I like the quote, you must pay for everything in this world one way or another. Not, there's nothing free except the grace of God. Every action has consequences. Catherine says, howdy fellers. This was an interesting Western. I understand it was based on the John Wayne version of the same name. Is actually based on the movie. I mean, oops. <laughs> it was actually based on the movie. <laughs> actually based on the book. Yeah, I meant to look up, um, since I just watched the, I mean, not just watched, but there's the new All Quiet on the Western Front, and then there's like a 1930s version, mm-hmm. and, and the there's book. a book, and they specifically said when they made this movie, it's a re- it's a another adaptation of the book. It's not a remake of the second of the movie. movie. Yeah. So I wonder if that's how this was too, because it's I don't know. It's the same story, but it is pretty unique from yeah. the other movie. I feel like we need um, to resurface our two person book to movie <laughs> reading watching book club. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that we did for wait for it. The Godfather. Godfather. That was the only one. We had a list <laughs> of other books to do. I did do Catch Me If You Can, but you did not, which is fun. I didn't want to read that. And then I don't read books. <laughs> the other one 
that we wanted to do and I my this history podcast was talking about it recently the odyssey with um why can't I think of uh, another Coen Brothers film oh brother where art thou so we could do have, that eventually we have to add true grit and I'll quiet on the restaurant front I don't anyway. want to read that <gasps> I, I started it it was very heavy I did not make it through very far because I was just mm-hmm. crying for the most of it <laughs> yeah okay sorry I got distracted I probably like modern westerns as opposed to ones made earlier just because they can seem more nuanced and aware of context. The theme that emerged for me was control, the need humans have to exert control on the uncontrollable circumstances of life. A secondary related theme was how power is used to be the one in control. The power can take many forms, guns, money, threats, laws, promises, etc. The question of incontrovertible right or wrong is raised by the characters themselves. Maddie explains the latin word that differentiates whether something is truly wrong or just wrong before the law rooster side note it almost took me to the end of the movie to figure out rooster was referring to cogburn like that was his name mm-hmm. also claims that he never robbed a man just the high security bank or something and therefore he wasn't a criminal the powerless populations native american black asian Drift almost ghost-like in the background since they have little control over their circumstances. It's interesting to see Maddie, a female and a child who is fairly powerless in society, take such control over the outcome of catching Cheney. I didn't like the beef at first, um, and then by the end of the movie, he grew on me. Rooster has his moments, but his treatment of the children at the house and his questionable past never really made him a trustworthy narrator for me. I forgot about the kids at the house. Oh my gosh, that was so terrible. <laughs> I feel like I had to block it out because I just could not reconcile it. I was laughing so hard, but they were being so mean to the donkey. But they're children. <laughs> well, they need to freaking learn to respect the animals. Yeah, but you don't abuse children. By, you don't teach children by abusing them. I was fine with it. Oh my gosh. I might have to take that out. (laughs) They was being so rude. I mean, they were being so rude. Oh, this is from Biz. I don't like Westerns. Something about the Western way of life stresses me out. Life just looks tough. Like you'll end up with dysentery or in the Pergoni (laughs) or get killed by a straight bullet. I didn't enjoy either of the male characters, although Matt Damon's grew on me mostly for his mispronunciation of adios. I did appreciate the girl's determination and courage, and it was a bummer. She was three days late to see the marshal in the end. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Natalie says, sorry, I only watched the first 30 minutes of this movie. <laughs> I got to the part where Maddie chooses Cogburn to Cockhorn <laughs> to go find Chaney, and he tries to leave, but then she catches up with him, and then another dude is there, and he starts speaking to Maddie for speaking out. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> it was all right i watched the first bit before going to bed and then didn't feel a strong desire to finish it before i go out of town <laughs> what a good review <laughs> well that's just fine natalie um hopefully you've either watched it before or you're okay with spoilers or maybe you're not even listening but uh it is good a film a good a film um <laughs> would recommend returning to it at some point all right this one is from George. Warning, lots of spoilers. With faded memories of the 1969 John Wayne version, I began this film with some trepidation, not knowing who had written, directed, and produced it until the end credits. 
I think the 1969 version was better than I remember it. Need to rewatch, especially with Robert Duvall's Lucky Dead Pepper. But I was immediately struck by the quality of the writing, acting, directing, cinematography, and gritty feel of the movie, including how it shows the harsh reality of frontier life. I became very invested in the characters, and by the time Maddie said a quarter century is a long time, I really teared up. Keeping the original archaic language of the novel makes the movie so much more enjoyable. Maddie gave an even performance as a well-read, intelligent, crafty, and quick-witted 14-year-old with a sharp tongue. Her working over the horse trader, when Labeef says he doesn't know whether to kiss or whip her, Maddie's reply that one would be as unpleasant as the other. <laughs> and of course, she shows her fearlessness in crossing the river, facing the villains, going one-on-one with her father's killer, and even the snakes. She's aware of the world and headstrong. She had, has a passionate focus on her goal and nothing will stop her. That stalwart focus is a sharp contrast to the emotional antagonism that develops between Rooster and Labeef, who allow pride to develop and nearly conquer them. One of my favorite Rooster lines, even a blow to the head could silence him only for a few minutes, short minutes. <laughs> I love that part too. <laughs> Yet ultimately, they trusted and relied on each other to save each other's lives. Incidentally, Rooster was 53 during the movie and died when he was 78. <laughs> Note that these are parenthetical minor issues. Maddie's already dry clothes after crossing the river so apparently we know where i get that irritated that (laughs) also in every movie where the villain is not completely disabled i wonder why when cheney is knocked out i thought why aren't they tying him up the beef had rope but then the story couldn't progress the way it did also couldn't the beef had ridden up on one of the dead villains horses final comment bear man stole the show (laughs) (laughs) another great suggestion for film club thank you Okay, Ryan said, I love this film. There's something so satisfying about watching a film where every piece of it is perfectly pitched. It's not overwritten or underwritten. It's not too long. The music is moving, but not overbearing. The characters are loud and memorable, but not to the point of being overacted or becoming caricatures. The cinematography is beautiful, but not like a lot of Westerns where it becomes the essence of the movie. It's funny, but not at the detriment of the story. Everything works in unison to service the film as a whole, and what the end result is, is near perfection. I've claimed that to make a good book adapt oh a good book adaptation, you want to start with a flawed book you can improve upon. This is the exception that proves the rule. The Coens are smart enough to stick to a nearly perfectly written source material, and they are lucky enough to find actors who can embody this dialogue. The movie is called True Grit, and Maddie uses it to describe Rooster at the beginning. But what we see throughout and what we find out at the end is that Maddie is the one who pr- pushes on even when Rooster and Labeef give up. Jeff Bridges, as he does, gives a truly memorable performance, but the beauty of the film is that Steinfeld can match, if not surpass him. True Grit probably isn't my favorite Coen Brother film, but I think it might be the most rewatchable. I want to know what his favorite Coen Brother film is. I would venture a guess maybe O Brother were it, though. I mean, I have that one, too. (laughs) I think the only Coen Brother film I own is No Country for Old Men, which is probably my favorite. (laughs) Spooky. This one is from Deb. I hated the violence and disregard for human life. The Wild West was truly a rough place for everyone. I liked that there was an underlying theme of sacrifice, both of what people are willing to sacrifice their lives for, money, power, and that even the horse sacrificed its life to get them both to safety. Oh, see, that's one thing that I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, well, I can't give it a perfect score because the horse died and that made me sad. <laughs> oh my god. Gosh, forget about but all these human corpses. I I literally only care about the animals. <laughs> um, <laughs> referencing my previous comment about the children and the dogs. <laughs> now I have to keep um, it in. <laughs> but yeah, this time I realized, like, 
okay, the horse was like, would you rather that the horse lived or the 12 year old girl lived? And according uh, to and, your sentiments, I mean, the horse. <laughs> well, I know. But in real life, the 12 year old girl is going to live a lot longer and do a lot more, uh, hopefully, good in the world. Anyways, it was a noble sacrifice. And we see from the get go of the film the whole point of there's nothing for free and the, there's nothing. What I'm gonna let me just read the quote before I butcher it anymore. Nothing is free in the world, so it costs her an arm and a horse and a friend. Mm, oh, sad. Okay, next is Annie. Westerns are not my genre. Several times while watching this movie, I found that position affirmed, and yet I felt compelled to keep watching the film. I found it quite entertaining, and my favorite was the dialogue and the characters, except for the guy who randomly made animal sounds. (laughs) 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 Haley Steinfeld is brilliant and holds her own with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon. Her character is so strong. Female power. The movie was also funny. It had a really dry, particular type of humor that I vibed with. Here's what I didn't like. The unexpected plot twists, some of which I hated, which left the witty humor behind and walked the line of ludicrous instead. Spoilers ahead. Examples of these plot twists include suddenly stumbling upon Josh Brolin, a.k.a. Thanos, a.k.a. Tom Chaney. The gun kick throwing our heroine into a pit where there just happened to be snakes in the decomposing torso. Fingers cut off. Anytime Matt Damon popped up. And a most unsatisfying ending. Again, I say the country songs of movies where everything goes wrong and the ending usually isn't happy, but a melancholy one. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Such a, a drastic uh, departure from what Ryan Hatch is saying. I know. Very different reviews. I also am shook. I did not know that Tom Chaney was Thanos in Thanos. another universe. I mean, did you even, would you recognize Thanos? Of course not, but, I mean, he's a purple monster man, (laughs) but he is not very attractive as Thanos, but he's pretty hot. (laughs) I think Josh Brolin is the No Country for Old Men guy. Probably. Not the, not the villain. Not a, I know who Harvey Bardem is. (gasps) Annie, I I appreciate what you've, you've said here. I will push back, though, that I think all of the sad ending and the sad beat and the falling into the pit i think those are warranted symbols and have a lot of deeper meaning i think they're they're a bit more well-earned than maybe just kind of like trying to force it to be a tragic ending and again obviously it's coming from the source material of true grit the novel but i actually really love the ending i think it's I, it's I, real yeah i love a movie that has a sad ending i do that's one thing i'll spoil the 1969 version makes it a happy ending see i um, think I, sometimes it can be a little campy and cheesy to have a, a forced oh happy ending. it's so campy and cheesy <laughs> john wayne and maddie are like so buddy buddy and talking about she's like you can be buried in my family's graveyard <laughs> what like, a dark- <laughs> i'm gonna post a, the picture it's the closing picture of john wayne riding away on his horse and it says the end on it and it looks so funny what a good friendship to have. It's just to say, you're going to be buried in my family <laughs> plot. Well, oh, but... I'm pretty sure Labeef died, actually, in the 1969 version. Uh, but no, I appreciate what you said, Annie, and thank you for your review. Okay, and then Jill says, I really like this movie. I had seen it before and still enjoyed watching it again. The acting is amazing. The first time I watched it, 
I didn't realize it was Matt Damon until halfway through. <laughs> Westerns, she's a Matt Damon fiend. Oh. Westerns are always fun with the costumes and sets, and it had just enough crazy to keep it from being too serious. I love the lack of contractions. There it is in the dialogue. This is the one time when the remake is better than the original, and I can't believe John Wayne got an Oscar and Jeff Bridges did not. Another great film club pick. Jeff she did. I mean, I was making, she was watching the little clips with me that I went back to watch a little bit. And so she's a little biased with <laughs> when she's watching with me directly after watching this one. And so we were like, oh, this is not even hold a candle. So let us take the gun. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> let us leave the gun and take the cannoli. All right. What would you name your horse? Ooh. Oh, cartoon. Oh my gosh. Cartoon. <laughs> what would drive you for revenge? Like, what would be the driving force that would take you Someone to Someone made a dumb comment on my Instagram post about <laughs> Halloween grudge. I'm so glad. <laughs> I was really hoping the Halloween grudge would be <laughs> your answer. Cause for killing. <laughs> Well, it's just revenge, like veto justice metered out revenge. So no deaths occurred. You just can leave insulting comments on this person's Instagram on Halloween. Or just never respond to any of his texts. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Which is what I am doing. <laughs> revenge. <laughs> it's the principle. <laughs> I can't respond to you because I'm mad at you. Um, to clarify, there's just this thing where if you, uh, you happen to insult one of us on Halloween or surrounding Halloween, that is something that is unforgivable, and we call them Halloween grudges. So there are certain people that have crossed, especially Lauren, on Halloween. We hold those Halloween grudges near and dear to our heart. What was my other Halloween grudge? I don't remember, but I know there was at least one more. There's another one. I'll think about it. Yeah, I'll think yeah. about it. Think about think it while about you're it. driving. I want to get to New York by next week. This was a question I wanted to put in the questionnaire. But then I said, just kidding. How do you think Le Beef should be pronounced? The Boof, of course. There you go. <laughs> I forgot to mention my favorite letterbox review. Is Let me just read it for you. Le Boof. It says, and it's all in lowercase. Now look, I don't know anything about anything, but I'm like 99% sure it's not supposed to be pronounced La Beef. And they spelled it L-A-B-E-E-F. <laughs> Which, it's just funny because that is what it means in French, so. Oh, so it's perfect. Yeah, Le Beauf. Le Beauf. Um, What Wild West rule would you fulfill? Would you be an outlaw, the deputy, just some random widow? <laughs> Definitely some random widow. <laughs> um, I feel like I'd be the deputy because I mm. don't like being in charge, but I like helping. I like and I helping. like being a good person, I guess. Valid. But I'm always entranced by the renegade role. Mm. Outside Someone the law. Someone who just kind of, yeah, lives their own lives and doesn't participate necessarily in society, but... <laughs> makes money you just want to be dean martin is dean martin the renegade no i just meant that was had that comment locked and loaded when you said you wanted to be deputy and then you kept talking about oh it again, but I, I couldn't <laughs> let it go again this is why we shouldn't be recording at 11 30 
I'm like, huh? That's <laughs> way past that. <laughs> okay, give me my last. What kind of film would you want to be your debut? Like, this is Haley Steinfeld's first movie. A thriller? <laughs> so good. Of course. <laughs> I was who also just. To, who would you want to direct it? Jordan Peele, obviously. Oh, nice. I was thinking too about how westerns often have like a very goopy love story, and there's there was not one. There's story. no love in this one. All right. Would you rather fjord the raging river with a horse, or fall in a pit of non-venomous snakes? Oh, I'd be fine with either. <laughs> you gotta pick one. What a good question. <laughs> well, I, I would rather be in the pit of non-venomous snakes because I'm not gonna die, but I might die fjording the river with a horse because. Maybe the horse sucks. <laughs> it's true. Good job. I think you you picked correctly. Thank you. Our listener submitted cannoli questions. Would you rather wear rooster's eye patch to a party or the beef's fringe jacket with no explanation? <laughs> so <laughs> definitely the fringe jacket. Presumably you can't explain the eye patch to mm. the at the party. I think I- they meant to say either with Oh. I I still think I could pull off. It's just okay. I have questions. Is it the fringe jacket or the eye patch at a party, or is it the eye patch to a party and the fringe jacket for the rest of your life? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> text Catherine right now. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'll. You took the jacket. I'll take the eye patch. My depth. Yar. My depth perception is just gonna be real off. Would you rather take beef or the marshal <laughs> with you in your wagon? On the Oregon Trail. Well, of course I'll pick the Marshall. I feel like I also would, just because the beef is so full of himself. He's just a little bit annoying, yeah, yeah. but that's why we love him. On um, screen, yeah. Yeah, but in real life, he would get old. But the Marshall also would get old, his little grumpy old self. Oh, yeah, and how he's always drinking, I get so sick of that. And just, like, always trying to prove that he's the better guy. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard question, but... LaBeef also is more handsome. Mm-hmm. Gets real lonely out there on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> All right, if you had a horse, what would you name it? Hey. So I answered this one, but you did not. I'd name it Buck after oh. the horse in Home on the Range. <laughs> in True Grit, three characters are shown to have True Grit. Besides Vito and Michael, who is the third godfather person to have True Grit? Discuss. Mm. Mm. Could it it be Barzini? Could it be Salazzo? Do we have to? I would say Salazzo. I think Salazzo is a good candidate. I mean, Tom Hagen is like a pretty obvious answer, but I feel like he's just more, he doesn't have like the brains and the brawn, you know, where I feel like Vito Mm -hmm. and Michael have like, not necessarily like brawn is in like physicality, but just like the ability to execute orders. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Sonny's the opposite where he's like very brawn but not a lot of brain necessarily not a lot of like the intelligent calculated so i i do feel like salazzo is a good option because i feel like he has that balance to him maybe it'd be sally tessio mm-hmm. tessio and clemenza are so interesting because yeah tessio is this the smart one right mm-hmm. and clemenza is the very loyal strong one loyal brute <laughs> loyal brute but just like how tessio embodies like the brains of the operation mm-hmm. he's the one who comes up with the box and the chain thing <laughs> and clemenza teaches michael how to use the gun right and like at the beginning Vito's like give this to clemenza give it to one of his uh-huh uh-huh Ooh, mm-hmm. i love that wow 
just turns into a Godfather discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's Godfather characters in it. It's true. It you know a podcast you're subscribed to. <laughs> All right. What or who are you willing to jump in the river for? Ooh. E.T. <laughs> the whole wide world. I forgot to tell you. I was trying to call Patience mom today, and I called her once. She called me back. Once I couldn't pick up, I called her again. She didn't answer. She called me back, and she said, we're at Universal Studios Florida right now, so I can't. I'm sorry. Like We're going to keep missing each other. So then I called her back, and I said, so excited that you're at Universal Studios Florida. I hope you're writing E.T. because that's my favorite. Just call us back on Monday. Bye. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Very professional. They better have written E.T. after such a declaration. I know. They probably were skipping out on it because everyone's stupid losers um uh, like going beyond the obvious family and friends oh wow i'm really at a loss i guess if you're going with et i'll go with nosferatu somehow <laughs> he's across the way and he must be saved <laughs> <laughs> um the next one is le beef or the marshal leaving us very open-ended mm. i think we well i guess it's a little different because it's just in general Rather than who you want with you on the Oregon Trail. Or is it who do you want to die? Who do you want to marry? This could really go so many (gasps) ways. Kiss, marry, kill. (laughs) I I do feel like I favored the Marshall over the beef. Yeah, the beef grows on you. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like very charming in the end. When he comes back and rescues them and is there for them. Uh And you also feel bad for him too. I feel like he's kind of like whiny and <laughs> when he gets so severely injured. But yeah, I, I chose the Marshall as my favorite character, so I think I have to choose him over him. Would you sleep in a coffin at The Undertaker's if he said it would be all right? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> would it be preferable to sleeping with Grandma Turner? Yes. Yes. If the Godfather characters lived in the Western era, who would be Rooster? The beef, Cheney, and Lucky Ned. Oh man, there's just so much. Okay, so Rooster, I think is Vito? I don't know. Maybe the head guy. I sure. think so. The beef, who's who's like Fredo. Vito. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go to lunch with Fredo. <laughs> Cheney is the Lotso Barzini. Cheney's like the the main reason. So L- lucky, lucky Ned is Barzini. I think. Uh, yeah, like... and Cheney is the Lotso. Yeah. Nice, nice. And then a similar question is, would the Corleones be lawmen or outlaws? See, this is tricky because they kind of strike up a, a no man's land, an in-between zone, where they're mm-hmm. not quite outlaws, but they're also definitely not lawmen. They just kind of operate. Uh, they, they're very much, wow, they very much take up that renegade role, I think. I think that Rooster maybe kind of fills that renegade role because he's a marshal. But you have him versus Labeef, who's the ranger with mm-hmm. the badge on his chest. And um, and the marshal does go, he is taken to court, kind of called yeah, out he's, and condemned. He's a complicated... Um, I feel like the anti-hero. An anti-hero, yeah. I feel like the Corleones are... Yeah, they just kind of like operate outside of the law in a lot of ways. Like... The vast majority of what they do isn't necessarily illegal or like isn't necessarily going to be punished. Like obviously when they when people are murdered and stuff like that, that is not good. But I just think like 
the ins and outs of the larger operation. I yeah, don't know. I I think they would be the lawmen in the westerns. If there was a western of the Godfather, they'd be. I mean, that's the other thing is the lawmen, the people making the laws in the Godfather, are intertwined with them. They are ha- they owe him favors and mm-hmm. and they're also so the lawmen are on their side as well. Right, because then there's also lawmen that are very corrupt and like McCluskey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so just because you're the Godfather and this film are very similar in that, you know, good and bad are very gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How fun. <laughs> All right. Let me just take a quick gander at these themes that have been submitted. Okay, some good guesses. No one has has quite nailed it on the head yet. Is there one you want to pick for uh to read to give mm-hmm. a hint that is not correct? Not related to time. Thank you for watching one of my favorite films with me. I've been looking for an excuse to watch it. So it's a good one. I'm glad you picked it. And mm, probably we'll try not to pick another Coen Brothers film until next year. So I hope you enjoyed that. (laughs) Ooh, shots fired. Would would recommend another. Who knows? Maybe I'll pick one. Mm. I don't know. That was Film Club. Wow, what a thrill. I've never said that. For some reason, we've never switched up who says what. what. I love that I don't even have to look at the names. I can just tell. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy, get a read Ryan Hatches. My <laughs> other, my, the big fan of this movie. <laughs> I was going to say, I think this might be one of the only podcasts in the world where we actively record it just laying down. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone else said they love the way they spoke. So script, script, script. Whoa. <laughs> Script writing. (laughs) It really wasn't that funny, but it's just because it's 11 o'clock and I'm starting to get loopy. That was Film Club. Hey, I have to say that. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Is there anything else you wanted to say? It's over. (laughs) Um...